0: Welcome to another episode of Crash Course Autographs. I, of course, am Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon. And before we get into this week's episode, I, of course, want to thank my patrons, Rob, MJ, and Case. Thank you for contributing to my Patreon at patreon.com slash stormageddon. Um, you can give there, whether it's, you know, a dollar, $5, $10, whatever. All of that money goes right back into this podcast and all the other podcasts I make to grow those shows, get better tech, create more content all of that stuff if you can't give that's great sharing it is always helpful as well or writing a review rating it on itunes or the podcast platform of your choice enough about that though let's talk about this week's guest which is the incredible jen de la vega jen is a chef a uh podcaster a writer um a musician kind of a jack of all trades or jackie of all trades Uh aha get it sorry anywho Uh, I first heard Jen on Fun City, which is a Shadowrun podcast that I am obsessed with, Um, but I was really excited to talk to her about all the other stuff that she does as well. So without further ado, here is my conversation with the incredible Jen De La Vega. Um, All right, I just want to make sure that the Skype call itself is recording. It should be. It should show me somewhere that it is. Let's see. Yep, it's recording. Excellent, great. So uh, just a casual chat. We'll talk about all the stuff that you work on. Just nice and friendly, super easy, no pressure. Yay! Um, And I'm actually really excited to have you on. My, My lofty goal is to eventually interview everyone from um fun city individually and then do like a group podcast at the end of that um oh my god but that said um i did discover you and learn about you first from fun city ventures so i thought we might start there um and sure. uh chat a little bit about how you actually got involved with fun city
1: <laughs> well um so i this is the first time i've ever played a tabletop rpg like uh-huh. i always wanted to play dungeons and dragons but um i guess a lot of my friends live on the west coast and i don't know i'm just kind of busy so i don't <laughs> i never like set aside the time uh-huh. but uh i met mike i think two years ago now through kickstarter so okay. they have a creative residency and it's very wide so someone like me who is a chef like i never thought that i could Be considered an artist, like who could have a residency, (laughs) right? You know, but um, you know, the more I thought about it, I was like, well, it's called culinary arts for a reason. So, I applied and I got in, and Mike was in my cohort. Oh, nice, awesome. Yeah, so it was cool to like sit next to each other and ask what he's listening to, even though our work didn't really align at all. Um, he's just a really cool dude. (laughs) Yes,
0: yes, I would agree wholeheartedly.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And so maybe a year later, he emailed me out of the blue, like, (laughs) how how do you feel about crimes and playing a game and maybe being on a podcast? I feel like I have the actual email somewhere else. Um, I can pull it up later. But um, I was so excited uh, because no one's ever asked me to do something like that before. And it's very, very different from what I do in real life. And so it's a great way for me to, like, really escape. (laughs) But um, I studied that book so closely. (laughs) (laughs) I was on a flight back from California the night before our first recording or our first practice session. I don't know if you know this, but we practiced for maybe uh, six months, nine months before we even released anything.
0: Oh, wow. No, (laughs) I didn't know that. That's That's awesome.
1: Yeah, we had a false start. Like (laughs) we started, but we weren't really used to being on the mics yet or with each other. Mm -hmm. I, I don't really have a problem with that because I used to have a radio show in college. So I like, (laughs) I like speaking very closely to the, the, you know, the screen filter thing. Sure. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that's how I got into the podcast. It's, it's my first, like I've been guests on other podcasts, but nothing um, consistent like that.
0: That's awesome. And so, did you meet everyone on the podcast when it started? Did you know any of them previously?
1: I only knew. I mean, I knew Taylor, of course, yeah, starter, um, of course. Um, but I kind of stalked Bijan online. I read his. <laughs> I read his work. He's a pretty well-known tech writer. Yeah. Um, and he's friends with my friends, and I'm like, I wonder if we'll ever be friends. And
0: we are. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> he's yeah. Very nice. I mean, I love that. Po- like, it's funny because I've listened to a lot of actual play podcasts and some are hit or miss for me. But what I love about the story that you guys have crafted is that it just feels so genuine. Um, uh, before we move on to some of the other things you work on, can you tell me a little bit where Viv came from? How you created Viv oh, and man. her character?
1: Um, so this is like, I don't know, a potential spoiler, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> Basically... I wrote another character for the practice games. Uh I think you're going to meet this person later. But um, yeah, I wrote another character. And when we decided to restart, Mike sort of said, OK, now make a character you really, really love. And I was like, but I already love this one. And so I swapped. I sort of made um, a foil to that person. Ah, Viv is very water elemental, so this person is a different element. that other person's also really old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, it was really fun to, I don't know, play an old man. <laughs> just, uh, I've never, you know, I've never role played before. So um, saying things in the mic like he just shuffles over to the crudite and takes a small bite, you know, <laughs> and shuffles this way shuffles that way. Rummages in his robes, you know, like that kind of thing. Um. So that was a lot of great practice for Viv. But um, her, like, real-life spirit is Stevie Nicks.
0: Oh, okay, sure, <laughs> duh. Like, I see it completely now. That seems so obvious.
1: So there's different eras of Stevie Nicks, and you'll see that there's different eras of Viv.
2: That's so really I don't, cool. How
1: far have we gotten? So the last episode you've heard was 12, right? Yes, correct. With the big fight? Uh-huh. So after this is Viv 2.0. Oh,
0: cool. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Love getting the scoop on that. That's really cool. No teaser. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh,
1: Mike, um, so at our launch party where I met you, yeah. Mike gave us each books about Aww. our skills. Yeah, isn't that nice? That's so, so nice. He gave me a copy, a copy of Sandra Kines Sea Magic. So I keep this um, by my workspace, and we'll pull prayers from it, um, folklore, um, you know, rituals that inspire his actions. It's You can tell when I started reading the book in the podcast.
0: <laughs> sure, yeah. Like, I'm sure it influenced the way you spoke and the things you said.
1: It just gets richer and richer from now on. So it's, it's so exciting, and I can't wait for you to listen to the future episode.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I... I it's funny, I've never latched on to characters so fast, and I think part of that comes from I, oh. knew, I knew Mike previously, um, he had been a guest on this show way back during the Idea Channel days, and then I met Taylor randomly and independently from anyone, um, my spouse works in a podcast production, and at one point she was talking oh. to folks at Kickstarter, and when Taylor was still there, we had a meeting with Taylor, and like... I got and I told this. I told Mike this later. I got the inside scoop that he was working on something with Mike, and it had to do with yeah, Shadowrun. Yeah. Um,
1: oh, you had early, early teasers. And he's like, you can't awesome.
0: tell. He's like, you can't tell anybody. But like Taylor was so excited about it; it was really adorable. <laughs> it was so cool. Um, it's
1: really wonderful. Yeah, Taylor is just like our cheerleader. Even though he's trying to kill us every episode, he is just so in it, 150%.
0: It's unbelievable. I think it really, like, their energy, as well as how good the cast is, really translates so well on that show, and I think is what puts it for me above other shows, is the fact that I care about these characters. So I'm so
1: glad. I'm so (laughs) glad you do. I mean, I didn't set out this way. Sure. I, I was just... Let's see how this goes, because uh, this could get canceled in, like, <laughs>
0: three
1: months. But here we are, you know, a year later. It's it's pretty amazing, and it I, I love it.
0: Yeah, and the community is great, too. I've met so many awesome people just through the Discord and everything else and on Twitter, yeah. and that's just been so fun. Um, it, it's nice to know that there are people out there as weird as you are, and when you share strange <laughs> things, like, the people, instead of being like, what is that? They rally around, and they're like, this is great. This is ridiculous. Like, I, I love that. Yeah. Um i
1: love I love niche communities, as you'll find out,
0: yes, and so let's shift talking about uh what we could probably say is the main thing you do, which has to do with cooking. you're a caterer yeah. and a food stylist, a uh, recipe mm-hmm. developer yes. so uh since that's something you do in the more larger scale, is that something you've always been interested in? Have you been cooking since you were a kid? Did you always like cooking and recipes, or is that something you found later?
1: <laughs> I have this <laughs> I have this. <laughs> friend of jumping into things that I know nothing about
0: <laughs> amazing
1: um, yeah I mean I guess it's been a decade now but um, I was working in music industry like 12 years ago when I moved to New York oh actually 13 now oh my gosh um, and I guess the reprieve for us was Sunday brunch and my friends and I would make tons of grilled cheese every Sunday nice. and I hated like repeating myself.
2: Uh-huh.
1: So I, um, started to learn more about cheese and iterated. Like, so we did it for a year and a half, like a different grilled cheese every Sunday. And so that sort of sparked me into thinking about culinary school, which I ended up doing, but then dropped out. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I decided to travel instead and self study. Like I, I, You know, bought all the French books and all the Italian books and Spanish books and, you know, uh, made a curriculum for myself for like maybe three years. I didn't really intend for it to be that long, but I had a day job. I bounced from industry, (laughs) excuse me, from industry to industry. And um, cooking was always just a part time thing up until maybe two years ago uh, when I went full time with it.
0: That's amazing. And um. And I also see that you're the editor at large at Put an Egg on It um, and that you've worked with other publications and stuff. Um, What is it that you really love about writing, about cooking? What's your favorite thing about it?
1: Oh, my gosh. I kind of love – oh, I love passing on knowledge. Mm Mm-hmm like if, when it unlocks something in someone's brain and they're like, oh, I can do that. <laughs> oh, I love that. And I love that when people eat things they've made, they like they've like have a new superpower and you can only build from there. And um, so my priority when it comes to like the writing that I do, it's very ingredient specific. It's always kind of a beginner tutorial. Um, although I do go off the deep end with like, High-end cooking because I like to exercise, you know, exercise my brain. Sure. Kind of like I'm on chopped, you know, voluntarily like <laughs> every day. Amazing. But uh, I don't know. I just, especially now, like with what's happening in the world, I think it's so important to like use everything to its fullest potential. Feed yourself, feel good about it, you know. So it's really important to me.
0: For sure. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and it's funny, too, because we'd first, first spoken about doing this interview before most of this stuff has blown up. And now it's like, oh, everybody has so much more free time to
2: <laughs> be home
0: and not go out. And But I, I imagine, like, that must almost motivate you a little bit since now you're going to be home more and you know your audience will be home more to maybe put out more recipes or try new things because, you know, the accessibility to fancy restaurants is going to be limited.
1: Absolutely. Um, I already like sent in an article for one of the publications about blanching, which is what, um, a lot of factories and canned food ma- manufacturers do before canning things. Um, <laughs> so you can do it at home. Uh, and I'm working with put egg on it. We're still like figuring it out, but we're going to do a 24 hour zine jam to help people understand their pantries and use up everything and be smart about it and store things safely because, um, you know, not everybody's worked in a restaurant. Uh, a lot of people are going to be doing this for the first time, like having to spend a whole week at home with mm-hmm. not a lot to do. Um, so food safety is a huge concern. You can totally food poison yourself and make this whole <laughs> <laughs> quarantine worse. Um, I've done it before, you know, with my experiments. But, um, you know, you got to be careful. Yeah, <laughs> Things to the right temperatures and all that.
0: Um, for sure, yeah. I think that... Uh... So my spouse cooks a lot more than I do. Although she's convinced I'd be good at it if I wanted to do it more, but I also get very anxious cooking. I'm just an anxious person, so I'm always afraid I'm going to cook something wrong or I'm going to poison somebody. uh, Which I'm told that a lot of early chefs go through that. Like you're you're not sure how things work, and until you find your rhythm, there's a lot of like that kind of anxiety is natural.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of trust and trusting yourself. Um, I definitely went through that. (laughs) i think the earliest the earliest inkling of it was when my brother and i were about eight and ten and we would just be mixing stuff in the kitchen and (laughs) it was just for fun you know and my poor mother you know immigrant mother um dutifully ate all of it oh no disgusting (laughs) yeah that's a good mom i mean i'm sure she's had a i know she's had like stomach aches because of us but (laughs) um that's kind of like where it started but i never took it seriously until now
0: got it (laughs) uh do you have and this is probably like asking you to pick your favorite child but do you have a favorite recipe or or more let's let's make it broader so it's easier right do you have a favorite thing that you're making right now like when you're at home is there a thing that you're making a lot of because you're just really into it right now
1: um, I'm actually into bread right now. Um, I'm terrible at baking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm really, really bad at baking. I mean, there's this stereotype about um, chefs versus bakers. We have different mindsets. Right. And there is some, you know, there's some truth to it, but I, I have been trying to like improve my baking skills and um, I'm not very mathematical when you're dealing with baking. It's like weighing and scaling and math. And I do have a little bit of scaling and like savory cooking, but I can usually just throw a handful of something. It'll be fine, you know? Sure, yeah. (laughs) But in baking, it's like a half teaspoon of baking powder. (laughs) And I'm like, ah, yeah, all right. Yeah, but excuse me. I have allergies. No worries. There's a um, New York Times uh, no need bread recipe that I started with. A lot of people um, have started to make this because it's – really easy it's not a lot of ingredients it's from jim leahy who okay. um runs sullivan street bakery yep and they have this bread there sorry tangent uh it's called the pizza bianca and it's like a six foot uh, focaccia with Ooh. sea salt and rosemary and i uh. want some excuse to just buy it <laughs> 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 I just want an excuse to buy a six foot focaccia but i have n- no reason so far um <laughs> But his no need bre- bread recipe, um, you make the dough, and then you let it sit for like a day, and then you bake it the next morning, and I couldn't believe that I did that. And then so from then, I've been changing up the ingredients. This is mostly how I innovate a lot of my own recipes, is just like swapping things uh-huh. and seeing how far we can go before I get a tummy ache. <laughs>
0: I mean, if you're, if you're your own guinea pig, then for sure, that makes, it, makes you worry a little less because, you know, if you have to suffer, it's fine.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's been a while. I, I haven't really put myself uh, in bed yet.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, that's
1: I'm good. I'm, con- I'm knocking on the wood. Um, but yeah, bread baking. Um, Shannon was baking baguettes today, too.
0: Oh, awesome! Oh. Very cool.
1: Yeah, you check out her Instagram stories. I'll
0: have to check <laughs> that <encourage> out and encourage her. <laughs> I will absolutely, hands down. Yeah, um, is there anything you've not done with cooking yet that you'd really like to try? Something that you've not had any experience with, but you'd really like to dig into?
1: Oh my gosh, there's a lot of like, uh, I, there's a lot of like outdoor large format cooking that I'd love to do. Uh-huh. Uh, my majority of my cooking career has been barbecue. Uh, over a grill or um, electric or barbecue-esque cookouts kind of things, picnics. Uh, But I have some friends who have land out in Pennsylvania and we try to get an animal, you know, like a whole animal and uh, break break it down, figure out how to cook it. Um, We've done a pig. We've done a goat. We've done 40 beer can chickens. I've built a smoker. So um, there's this other chef. Um, Francis Mallmann. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Chef's Table, like oh, this yes. season.
0: Oh yes. Uh huh. Sure.
1: He's kind of a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> like you have his daughter like crying on screen, but my like, dad wasn't really around. And then he's just like talking about dating all these women, and I'm like, this guy is oh, not great. No. But the way he cooks is amazing. Uh huh. He's like in Patagonia and like crucifying lamb and throwing potatoes into the hot coals. And oh, wow. I live for that stuff. I mean, I know it's problematic, but I'm like, I want to do it, you know? <laughs> sure, of
0: course. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so um, those kinds of things that you've done, what would be like the opposite of like the heavy-duty barbecue stuff that you've been doing?
1: Oh, my gosh. Tiny Precious Tapas, mm. which is something that I've been writing about um, historically and politically. Uh, Because, um, you know, it's a Spanish culture thing. And I love going to Spain. It's amazing. Uh But it also has this, like, uh, difficult history with the Philippines is where my family is from. Okay. And, you know, they colonized it. You know, my last name is very Spanish. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of, like, turmoil and just... Things that seeped in with the food, and so like the opposite of like abundance and family style, which which is what I grew up with, uh, is like tiny, precious fine dining, like tapas. And so I made a meal last year based on on that. Like, what if the dynamic had changed? You know, like what if if it was the other way around that the Philippines came to Spain, and like what would the food look like? And so that was a really fun. Like, but also. Interesting thought exercise about like the history of the food of the people that where I come from.
0: <laughs> For sure, yeah, taking into that kind of stuff and relating to that stuff is always interesting, right? Especially if you don't know what you missed growing up that like now is more apparent or something you learned.
1: Yeah, that's why I've sort of called it my great um, my great backpedaling. <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I, you know, I was a 90s kid, you know, Gushers, Taco Bell, Costco, pizza, like lots of (laughs) stuff like that. Very processed, very consumer oriented. And um, I didn't really get into food until much later in life, maybe when I was um, near end of college, so Mm -hmm. like 21-ish. Okay. And yeah, it like flipped a switch. I think it was a potluck. It was a potluck that, that flipped it for me.
0: There's always something, right? Like you experience something yeah. and you go, oh, I maybe I could actually do that. you know. And it's a switch that doesn't always turn on until you're witness to it in some form or another.
1: Yeah, my friends didn't die.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, then that's important too, right? We don't want to kill our friends. Um, I'd, be I re- <laughs> I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about ranwiches, and if you yeah. told the listeners a little bit about ranwiches and what, what that is and why you're known for it.
1: Okay, yeah. My username pretty much across the internet is Randwitches. Um, it's a portmanteau of random sandwiches. Thanks to Danelle. Do you know uh, Danelle from our Discord?
0: I do, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Danelle's the one um, with his former coworker John. They're the ones that named it. Sandwiches. Oh, nice. Yeah, because I just was going around. Oh, well, okay, this is during a period of my life where I was unemployed
2: uh-huh.
1: and, um, you know, had cabin fever. and so i asked my friends who worked in offices if they wanted lunch and it was like my treat you know just a friendly thing to do i got to go all over the place like to the bronx and to neighborhoods i've never been to like jackson heights and um so their co-workers or um you know friends would see that they instagrammed it and they'd be like how do i get one and um i felt really weird about accepting money for like a thing that was made out of love. Right. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't a caterer yet; like I didn't have a business.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I so I was rightfully scared when um, it became a popular thing. So I had a Tumblr. Uh, it got featured in like Daily Candy and like Thrillist, and, like Best Sandwiches in New York City, like way back. And and I wasn't like ready for that spotlight. <laughs> sure. And so I sort of like cr- crumpled under it. Because I started getting more nervous and nervous about the overhead. Like, the more sandwiches people ordered, the more it cost me to, like, do this. Right. And, like, hiring people is so scary. And, like, I don't think I can afford to do this. And so I did one bad job. And I kind of, like, put the kibosh on it and was like, okay, I need to rethink this and focus somewhere else right now. So I disappeared for a minute. Um, and then came back with a vengeance through um, cooking competitions. Which... um I know I know uh this is not a visual interview, but, but I a can see trophy.
0: but I can see yeah, your giant trophy. Of- that's amazing. <laughs> this from a room of barbecue competition. <laughs> that's amazing. That's so cool.
1: My movers refused to touch it. They were like, This is too fragile. I was like, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna carry it the three blocks to my there you place go. then.
0: There you <laughs> show them what's what. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well that's really cool. I think I think when we start creating something from the heart it's where we find our passions and then we can f- you know figuring out how to monetize any of that stuff is is daunting and scary because I'm sure like any artist you know it's hard to always think that our stuff is worth any kind of money right you know whether it's yeah. because you feel guilty or because of whatever else like building up to that is tough so finding that niche and then kind of getting back into it is 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 hard but also really important
1: yeah, I could have just given up and like stayed in at my tech job uh, <laughs> <laughs> with all that health insurance and all that. Oh yeah. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, real talk. Uh, <laughs> ew. <laughs> ew. <laughs> but um, I, I, I talked about this with um, a few of my close friends that. Uh, there was this unhappiness that started just build up, like mm-hmm. started dogpiling on me, uh, even though I was fully satiated, um, paid well and and was taken care of. I needed to sort of flip the table on everything in my life when I s- didn't want to cook anymore. Right. Like, I would come home and just feel so tired and like order something, which is the total antithesis of of what I'm all about now. Like, right. So it was a, it was a huge wake up call.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to jump back a little bit. And you said that you were part of the music industry at one point. You uh, yes. you happened to send me your album, Volume 1, yeah. from your band, The Short Sleeves, which, oh my god, I love it so much. Um, so, so growing up as a Nintendo and Super Nintendo kid, like anything with heavy synth and and you know electronic beats and things like that um like i listen to a lot of nerdcore hip-hop as well that uses a lot of that and reuses video game stuff and so like i love that kind of stuff um so tell the listener a little bit about the short sleeves and like how that came to be and why that kind of music of all the kinds of music that you chose to make
1: yeah chip music so um growing up i played the piano like most Um, Filipino kids do. (laughs) Most Asian kids, you know, their mom makes them play the piano. (laughs) I wasn't any good at it, or at least I wasn't good at it in a traditional sense. Like, my brother can play with two hands. I learned that my strength is I can read one staff very quickly, so I moved to, like, the flute and the oboe and um, melodies are more my thing than um, kind of the tapestry of it all. Okay. Which is why I have a collaborator. Um, His name is Paul Owens, and this is amazing because we have so many cool ways our life paths um, intersect. And so, uh, sort of in between um, me deciding to go from the music industry to um, culinary school, I, I had a record label. It was called Mushpot, and I had it from when I was in college and brought it with me to New York, and I had an artist who sort of ruined it for me. Like, oh, no. Uh, yeah, it's, it starts as a sad story, but I think what I've learned recently, more re- in the more recent years, is that um, trauma and joy you know, go together. They're uh-huh. hand in hand, and... Um, I didn't know it at the time, but it was kind of the greatest thing that happened to me um, in terms of finding my people in New York City. Mm-hmm. So um, he stole a lot of chip music from a, a compilation and community called YM Rockers, which is a European like um, demo scene um, group online. And I started getting all this hate mail, like, you're a terrible record label. Like, I didn't know where it was coming from, you know? I was like, what is this? And so going through it and managing through this crisis of folding a label and and going through it and, like, all that. um, This organization called The Tank in New York City. It's a theater that does. You do?
0: Oh, yeah. Of course I do. (laughs) Uh, But please finish telling the listener what The Tank is. And then we can yeah, gush about it. So
1: the, the Tank is a nonprofit arts presenter. Um, they're multidisciplinary. Mm-hmm. They focus on emerging artists. For a lot of people, it's their very first paycheck for making their art. And um, way back, you know, a decade ago, they were really into producing Blip Festival, Pulse Wave, Bent Festival, uh-huh. and a lot of electroacoustic music shows. Okay. And um, a lot of people from the chip community um, were sort of buzzing, you know, about this controversy that was happening with me. And out of the clouds, you know, like this terrible dust up, um, Josh Davis, yeah, he goes by Bit Shifter, reached mm-hmm. out to me and wrote me like a very thoughtful email trying to see my side of the story. And he, you know, went back to the forums. I saw it later, like. That he said I had a good head on my shoulders and I was completely blindsided. And, you know, he really stuck up for me, even though he didn't know who I was.
0: That's awesome. And
1: yeah, it was amazing. And so a couple months later, um, Mike Rosenthal, who is a founder of The Tank, reached out to me about, hey, you know, um, you managed this like crazy, like press thing. How would you feel about doing press for us? And so I was the publicist for blip festival and like all oh, these so things cool. for a couple years yeah and then i ended up being a curator for pulse Wave for a long time with danelle
0: that's <laughs> awesome
1: so that's kind of how i found that community there are a lot of people who are my friends now and i met paul who is the director of two-player productions mm-hmm. they are the in-house um video crew for double fine
0: Oh, amazing! That's so cool. Yeah,
1: so a lot of our worlds sort of intersect. It's it's really amazing. So he brought um, his documentary "Reformat the Planet" to DVD, which is all about chip music. Yep. And I got to work on the screenings and getting it in the hands of people, like press people, and it was um, so much fun. Like we got to go on tour. We you know we were in a band together and screening this movie and you know having the best time. So um, then he he left. Um, with his video crew to move to San Francisco, well, Portland, and then San Francisco to work with Double Fine, and he's still doing great. Uh, we still talk about making music, but it's kind of like the postal service. You know, we have to, like, mail it back and forth.
0: Sure. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's really
1: hard to practice. He uses LSDJ on, on two Game Boys, and I use uh, Casio CT460, which has a very particularly warm camber that uh-huh. I love. Um, It really works with that um, noisy, glitchy, like, synth of, of the Game Boy.
0: Yeah, it's really awesome. Uh, a previous guest of the show, Chris Kaiser, um, who does... <laughs> oh, do you know Chris? Do you know my... my... Brother. <laughs> Chris Chris is a good friend of mine. I met him through my friend Joe, and I didn't know he was a musician at first. And so then I, <laughs> I started chatting with him about music and he's like oh well i make i make chiptune music and i was like oh i would love to hear it and so he sends it to me and i lo- i fell in love with his album and so then i had him on the podcast he's so good and what's funny is like the 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 newest record is very science fiction and i kept telling him that like it feels mm-hmm. like a video game and he's like that's funny cuz i don't really play video games and it wasn't science fiction that i had in mind when that i made is. it but uh of course you know him it's such a small world
1: yeah well I call him my Brother and he uh-huh. calls me sister
0: Aww. because
1: we've known each other for about that decade you know and yeah. um, we've collaborated in many ways, like producing shows so Very cool. Chris was one of the co-founder uh, no, yeah Chris was one of the co-founders of low level festival oh nice. which is something um that I put together with my friends Dustin and Kristoff um maybe two years ago um, we keep trying to think about like logistically, can we do this again? Um, But, you know, making festivals is very expensive.
0: (laughs) Sure. Well, especially in the time we're in now, there aren't going to be very many festivals for a little while. Um, That's so funny that you know him. That's amazing. But, yeah, like, uh, I was so so blindsided when you sent me the album because I just – I had no idea. I mean, uh, my path to knowing you is – Hearing you on Fun City and then meeting you in person, and you were lovely. And I was like, "She's awesome." I'm gonna follow her on Twitter. And then I started seeing the stuff <laughs> about your cooking, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, "Oh, and she's a musician? Of course she is. That's amazing." Like, I would I make
1: this joke that <laughs> I made this joke that I've retired from like three different careers, <laughs> and I'm like 30. I'm turning 36. Like, you know, I'm like for every decade, I've retired from a career already.
0: <laughs> Which is very funny. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Um, I mean, but it's cool to know that you and Paul are still talk and still want to make music. I think that, I mean, anyone listening, I would highly recommend going to the Short Sleeves Band Camp and downloading Volume 1. It's phenomenal. <laughs> um, I like it a lot, actually, like Chris's music. I like listening to it when I'm working on other things because I feel like... You know, sometimes music with lyrics. I'm a big music nerd, so like when I'm listening to something with lyrics, I get wrapped up in it and I want to start singing along. Whereas if it's an instrumental, I can kind of just let it roll off me. Um, And and so it's really exciting to have more instrumental music. Uh, You know, and I love the pitch of the band that it's you know uh, a a Game Boy and a Casio girl. I just I think that's such a neat little tagline. It's 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 delightful.
1: Yeah. I miss it. It's been. It was a fun, a very, very fun, fun project.
0: That's that's awesome. Well, I I hope more people check it out because I think it's really totally worth it. Um, shifting back to the cooking stuff. So you work as a caterer as well. Do you cater mm-hmm. just in New York or do you cater outside the city too?
1: No, um, I do weddings and other events mm-hmm. out as far as Portland and California. Oh wow! Like cool. next year, I have. On the list: Rhode Island, um, Lake Tahoe,
2: <laughs> very cool, and
1: upstate New York. Um, it's really difficult. Like I do a lot of the, I don't know, events and projects that a lot of caterers would turn down. Oh, really? Because because of convenience, you know, mm. and how weird and custom it is. I don't really believe that food should be prohibitive. I think that it should be made with care. You know, it goes back to like made with love all the time. Um, But, you know, when someone tells me their budget and I think, you know, it's going to be a challenge, I'm so upfront about it, you know, but we're going to do it or we're going to find a way to work in this special thing um, that means a lot to you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I try to try to make it happen if if we can all, you know, if I can get my team together and do it.
0: (laughs) That's awesome, though, that it sounds like you get to travel a lot just from the catering. Do you like getting to st-
1: you. when
0: you travel to cater like a wedding or a special event? Do you get time to like see those places too while you're there, or is it just all work?
1: It depends um, on what what I've got going on, but I try to budget maybe one or two days of buffer because um, I don't know if you've ever had a 14 hour um, physical day where you're like standing and lifting. Yeah, and
2: uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's I'm, a little much.
1: It's, I'm a piece of beef jerky the next day and I can't move. (laughs) So I've learned to stretch and get one of those like lactic rollers for your muscles like marathon runners use. Um, Cause I'm up on my feet all the time. I'm running up and down stairs, carrying crates. It's very physical. And so I try to, try to budget in rest as I've learned and as I've gotten older.
0: (laughs) I mean, it makes total sense. Like it's not. Even anywhere near the same level, but I'm a DJ and I do a lot of private gigs as well. And even though it's not a lot of lifting, you're on your feet the whole time, you're engaging with people the whole time, the days are long. Yeah, you have to be on the whole time. And like, you know, I do a fair share of regular private gigs or weddings as well as friends events. And like friends events are kind of, you know, much easier for me because like there's less mental strain, right? Because you're in a comfortable setting, you know the people. But like when I'm at a wedding where it's like it was recommended by a friend, but I don't know them or complete strangers, I'm on and I'm so focused that it's just, it's completely draining when you're done.
1: Yeah. You don't really know when to bring your shoulders down.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) You know, you're like, ah!
0: <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, your ears on your shoulders. Yeah, no, I know that all the time. Yeah.
1: Um, someone, someone I deeply respect online. Um, Cat Kinsman. I don't know if you know who she is.
0: The name sounds familiar. She's um,
1: she's kitten with a whip on Twitter, and uh-huh. she's a you know culinary uh, professional. She okay. wrote like a a book about anxiety, and um, she also has this f- hilarious video series. Um, I f- oh, what's it called? No Pressure. It's called No Pressure. Uh-huh. It's all about Instant Pot. And she talks to the Instant Pot. Like, she's looking into the camera, like, all <laughs> intense and going, like, Instant Pot. What are we going to do today?
0: Oh, amazing. And
1: she's like, with her mouth open at the camera for, like, a minute. It's the best thing. That's so but great. But she tweets every day uh-huh. about um, it's unclench o'clock. And she reminds people to lower your shoulders, relax your jaw
0: that's awesome
1: really wonderful
0: it does it it makes a ton of sense I mean you know and we forget right you're so into whatever you're doing that it just falls out of your head to do like basic things that would make it so much easier to just exist
1: my mom calls it being Gollum (laughs) (laughs) that's great (laughs) One time I was like working from a hotel room when my parents were there and I was like with my knees up looking at like my computer on another thing. And I was like really crouched like this and like looking And my brother took a photo. And my mom was like, what are you doing over there, Gollum? And I like I was like, oh, God. Oh, I was like tightening up into a yarn ball.
0: <laughs> Jeez, that's rough. I
1: know. Just relax. Just relax. <laughs>
0: um, I want to talk a little bit about your books that you have. Um yeah, that you're selling on your site um, about showdown the comfort food book that you released. What made you want to write about comfort food? I know you said you have a you know you tend to focus on a lot of barbecue and you've done a lot of barbecue, but what made you want to write about comfort foods?
1: Yeah, so the framework for the book was um, recipes that I've entered into competition, so it's like a mm-hmm. hundred of them. That's like the technical aspect of it. Yeah, but um, comfort is something i've like focused on in my art practice and not just like with cooking but with like soothing music that i make with installations that i make that are very um touch sensitive or um comforting and uh i think a lot about why we need it um the sources of it and you know it's all about that relationship to pain uh-huh um and suffering. And, <laughs> uh, I may, you know, I may be the most chipper person on the internet, but um, I do think about um, things that make me sad sometimes. And I remember when I was taking like a college, you know, Latin class, and mm-hmm. it it was a huge light bulb when we were talking about the passion, passion of the Christ, you know, like um, religious passion, and um, that word passes passion is means suffering. So yeah. there's this like relationship. Um, with comfort and and release. And I don't know, I just feel like my food revolves around me being sad. What do I do about it? You know, it's not it's not inaction. It's it's about like finding solving that problem, or not a problem, but like, uh, confronting it head on. I won't say it's a problem because I think everybody goes through something.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I mean, I think we all... And, you know, we all have days where we don't want to do the things we love, right? Like, we're so down that Absolutely. even things we enjoy are hard to do. And so figuring out how to do things in those moments to get yourself out of it is is always helpful and not always easy.
1: Yeah. It's really hard to break through uh, alone. So that's why a lot of the food I make is for a lot of people. or Right. Um, it's inspired by potlucks or gathering people or iterating on a single idea of a million times you know like popping 100 egg yolks or making 100 kinds of nachos or grilled cheese
0: <laughs> right exactly um and it's funny like looking at the other book that's on your site uh for the last og cook cookbook <laughs> you're the recipe tasting you did recipe tasting and development so is that Do all, I mean, and so this is my own ignorance showing through a little bit, but do all cookbooks have someone who tests the recipes, make sure they work, make sure they taste good and that they they come out okay?
1: Yeah, depending on the publisher um, and depending on the timeline and budget, like um, most of the time, ideally, you want a recipe tester to make sure that it's real and it works. Um, because there was a huge controversy blow up with um, Gwyneth Paltrow, you know. <laughs>
0: sure, yes, yes, yes.
1: <laughs> there was this really unsafe recipe about, like, raw chicken in her book or something like that. And so um, a lot of people are trying to safeguard the recipes. I mean, there are different proportions of relationships that authors have with recipe testers. Some of them are straight up ghostwriters. Um, some of them are just a safety check. uh uh-huh. um, and for this one, I was a consistency and like safety check.
0: That's awesome. Um, and so does that require yeah. you to like cook the re- all of the recipes and see how they come uh-huh.
1: out? Oh, that's awesome. And I was able to develop a few of them myself. Like um, come up with ways we can do it within x amount of budget. This sort of Community slash neighborhood, or um, you know, this background. So, um, have you seen that show, The Last OG? I've
0: seen a few episodes. I have a friend who's on it, um, and um, jo- oh, what? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, his name is Joel. Uh, he plays. Um, oh. he's the heavyset white gentleman, um, and he. I forget the name of his character now. It's escaping me. Um, but I've watched a few episodes, and yeah, it's very yeah. funny.
1: That's great. Um, but yeah, the the premise of the show is. Tracy Morgan is a um, someone who goes to jail or prison, excuse me, um, and comes back to a gentrified Brooklyn and <laughs> Tiffany Haddish <laughs> is married to a white guy. Yeah. Um, so it, it throws him for a loop, but he's very like culinary oriented in the show. And so what we did was we researched um, our team, researched, you know, um, recipes that were mentioned in the show, you know, make them come to life. And then also think about the neighborhood background. So a lot of it was bed Queens, mm-hmm. um, bodega culture. So we we're pulling things like putting a spin on a chopped cheese. So I turned it into a, a dip, like a fondue dip or, um, making your own hot sauce from like the community garden. Cause there are a lot of community gardens and bed So I love thinking that way about, um, how a book is going to come together. It's, It is kind of like role-playing, you know? (laughs) Sure. You
0: got to get into the mindset of the area.
1: Imagining where you are and what would this person make? What would they eat when they were tired? What would they eat when they were sad, you know? Um, So those are the kinds of exercises that we do creatively to to figure it out.
0: Do you find that it's easier to create a recipe when you're in that mindset? Or do you like having the freedom of just doing whatever you want?
1: Oh, my God. I need to be be reined in sometimes. (laughs) Like, I need parameters. Uh And... That's kind of why I loved chip music or continue to love chip music um, Mm -hmm. because it's all about limitation. It's about having four channels only. It's about um, how far can we stretch it. Right. So a lot of the times when I have clients that come to me and they're like, we trust you, do whatever you want. And I'm like, no, no.
0: No, no, I need something.
1: (laughs) I need a seed. I need something that I can grow. I can't, you can't just give me an empty room because I'm going to go nuts in it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's legit. I feel like... Like, I have four different podcasts, and this one started out as just a music a music interview series where I would interview musicians, and it grew beyond that because it was too focused, but now it's kind of blown up, and so my other shows are a little more focused, and I think I needed that, you know, I love all the shows that I make, but the more focused in you get on something, the more you, you can put a different kind of energy into something you're focused on, I feel like, than if it's just kind of a bigger open thing.
1: Sorry, I'm moving my legs because I fell asleep.
0: You're good. No worries. <laughs> I
1: don't know if you heard that. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat today. This has been lovely. Um, before we start to wrap up, I would love for you to tell folks the best way to find you on the internet, the best way to buy your books, to engage with the stuff you've made, um, You know where they can find you.
1: I make a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I make so much stuff. Like it's kind of hard for me to keep track of it. But um, if you Google Randwiches, which is the word sandwiches, just put an R in the front. Um, you know, there is no E in sandwiches, by the way. Nope. <laughs> oh no, wait. No. no there's no H. There's no H in "sandwiches" because there. I've discovered so many people that don't know how to spell "sandwich" and there's, a, there's they put H's. I don't know why. Um,
2: <laughs>
1: anyway, look for "sandwiches" online. Pretty much every platform. Um, I have a website that's more about like my catering portfolio. I have a Patreon where I share um, four recipes a month for two dollars a month. I just launched an Etsy store last week which sells like dry goods, like um, seasoning salts um, and spice mixes, like ranch powder. Amazing. Like not Hidden Valley, like I made it myself. Um, because, you know, beans will get really boring after a week and you need to do something else. Salt Bay that, you know.
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh,
1: I have the shortsleeves.bandcamp.com um, and my book. So if if anyone lives in Brooklyn and you want to reach out to me, DM me, uh, I can hand deliver them if you're okay with that. <laughs> and um, they're on the usual places like um, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, and this wonderful website, IndieBound. Do you know that?
0: Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you can search your zip code and see if an independent bookstore has it in stock. Or you can always request it from someone. It's called Showdown Comfort Food Chili and Barbecue. And uh, Yeah.
0: <laughs> amazing yes and of course if you are into Shadowrun run or D in general uh definitely check out fun city ventures which is an incredible uh actual play podcast uh that's i think more narrative than actual play at this point and i think i love yeah. that's what i really love about it
1: yeah we made that distinction recently um in one of our fun chatties which is patreon only content <laughs> yes um <laughs> but um yeah i t- i fell in love with the idea that it's so much more important that we're telling this particular story in this particular time period that we are going through right now, because, it, you know, it's kind of like a punch in the stomach, you know, yeah. <laughs> that we, you know, we have we have to find a way to process all these things that are happening. And Fun City is a, um, a great vehicle for that. And I love being on it.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, Jen, so much for your time, for being generous with your time. Um, The last thing I'll ask you to do is I have a saying on this podcast, which is music is life and life is good. The idea is that if you're making art of any kind, life isn't that bad, even when you're going through struggle. So if you could just sign us off with that saying, I would be greatly appreciated.
1: Music is life and life is good. That's it for this episode of Crash Chords Autographs. Our theme music is by Michael Kill. Our logo was designed by Case Aiken and Joey Mons. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Facebook. You'll help us reach more listeners. Questions, comments, or guest recommendations? Email matt.storm at crashchords.com or hit us up on Twitter at Crash Web. Thanks for listening.
2: Hi, it's is Victor Devon, and I am the host of Weberless the podcast. Every Monday, I talk to fabulous denizens of nightlife, including burlesque performers, both seasoned and new to the form, drag performers, performance artists, DJs, and artists who make up their respective scenes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Please visit weburlesque.com to check out episode recaps and see all the formats available. And remember that music is life. Life is good.